Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, a bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. Here in the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number uh, 39 of the Foxy Podcast. I hope everyone is uh, doing well wherever you're listening from out there. And we have a very special show put together for you this week. We're going to be delving into uh, the latest collaborative endeavor from a core group of artists that have been longtime favorites of ours here on the podcast show. And I'm referring to Nathan McLaughlin, Joe Hoopert, Cody Yantis, and Josh Mason. And they have an amazing series of releases that just came out under the banner a line in the sand, or I guess more succinctly, line drawings that encompasses a range of artists, labels, formats, and mediums, all in an effort to foster this sense of community and to create purposeful music together. And I guess while all these guys have uh, collaborated uh, together in some capacity prior to this, uh, I was fortunate I had a chance to interview each of them. Uh, together in pairs, as you're going to hear, uh, to find out what distinguished this project from others that they've done and kind of what the creative process was like throughout. And I also had a chance to speak with Chris Cole, uh, the very talented visual artist that contributed the portrait drawings and overall design to tie things together with this p- project, uh, not to mention a musical contribution, too. So in addition to hearing these interview segments... I'm going to be playing some selections from each of the artists throughout the show that spans all the various releases and formats involved. But I guess before we get into all of that, I thought I'd start things off with a few solo tracks from these artists that have come out in the past couple of years, I guess some of which are mentioned during the course of our conversations. So I'm going to open things up here with a piece by Nathan McLaughlin from his Echolocation number 4 tape that came out on Josh Mason's Sunshine Limited label. Thank you. 
So you guys have been playing together for quite some time as as Loud and Sad, and it Loud and Sad is sort of like ground zero for you guys. And obviously, you've went on and done other things with Tilth, and there was HMS and Warning, etc. But I'm curious, what was sort of the recent motivation behind this line drawings project? Uh, at least, you know, according to some of the promo blurbs that are out there on Desire Path, uh, there was this idea that you were attempting to create or attempt at creating a community of musicians that challenge each other to make deliberate music. So I'm kind of curious, um, were you both at this point where you felt like you needed to try something new, or like musically or conceptually? Well, you know, for me, I I, I think that uh, I think that we've always been involved in music together, Joe and I, where we were interested in pushing each other, um, you know, to to work at what we're doing or to think harder or in different ways about what we're doing, and um, you know, early on, obviously, we weren't doing that much. We were just trying to find our footing. But then, once we got our footing, we started thinking, oh, we should really be. Yeah, pushing each other and pushing what we're doing forward and really exploring it, um, which brought out this idea of, uh, you know, making deliberate choices about the music that we're playing and why we're playing it, how we're playing it, um, you know, really giving that some thought, you know, and not in like a pretentious kind of our music is very serious way, because I think for people that know Joe and I, unfortunately for those people, they know we're not <laughs> serious, <laughs> um, you know, as, as individuals, I don't think we are, but, um, you know, I, for me anyway, like when I sit down to do something, I want to, I want to do it thoroughly and I want to do it well, and I want it to be like the best thing I could do, um, and it, it seemed like the moment had really come for us to, to apply that to our music. Yeah, we just wanted to uh, extend this kind of sadistic challenge to, to other people we've been, we've been making music with lately, <laughs> in a way. Um, but I think also in, in, terms of the, in terms of the community, we, we just kind of um, you know, started calling it what it is. Like you said, Tilt is out there, HMS is out there, um, Josh Mason was part of the circle, you know, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it was just excited to kind of solidify that and codify that um, under this banner. Um, and I know personally, uh, like growing up, I, I, that, that's kind of the way I digested music was, was in kind of, you know, from community to community. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was really big into the whole downtown New York scene that was kind of centered around that club, Tonic, um, and just devouring every person that came through there. And so, I mean, it's I guess kind of a kind of a selfish way to to recreate that mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, also in that in the promo materials um, for the project, it, it mentions that it was born from this range of frustrations. Uh, and then you go on to say this line that's separating purposeful music from aimless music. Maybe I, I kind of want to pick apart that that quote there. I mean, for you, what what are some of the frustrations that go into uh, the music? Is it the music world in general that you're speaking, or just the process of creation itself? Yeah, I mean, the process doesn't hasn't ever frustrated me. Um, I mean, it has in very small ways. You know, there was times where I used to use computers, and then I got frustrated with that, but that was forever ago. 
Um, you know, for me, it was frustration about, you know, like feeling like I was putting tons of energy and time and and whatever into music that that sometimes was being lumped alongside of music that wasn't that didn't have that right and there's nothing wrong with that other music with with music that is kind of more spontaneous or whatever you know that's no judgment against other music there it's more of a idea of thinking well you know is the music that i like to listen to tends to be that more deliberate music. Do people know that I make very deliberate music, or do people think that it is a bit more aimless because of the overall kind of bubble that my music rests in, right? Like, if I was studying at Bennington College with Bill Dixon, everybody would know that, oh, his, he makes very deliberate music. Um, However, you know, I'm just like a flunky business major guy. <laughs> do, do I make deliberate music or not? So, you know, for me, it was like, well, maybe we should make a statement about that, um, not as judgment against any music on either side of it, but as a, like an identification of the music that I'm making so that people understand it, like, from where, you know, from where I'm, I'm coming from. And that, that can be frustrating at times, like the frustration at times came out of like, you get a review and it's like, well, you know, that was totally amazing. That person totally got it. But a lot of the time you'd get a review and you'd say that person totally missed it and kind of just lumped it in with like the 10 other tapes they got in the mail that month, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, those are not my frustrations. <laughs> um, I think that I mean that illustrates, in a way, like uh, not only the beauty but also the the difficulties of this kind of uh, of area of music that we we exist in right now is that it's you know it's so subjective and the the layers of subjectivity here are are vast. Um, so yeah, frustrations. I mean, you know, I joke, but in a way, yeah. I shared innate frustrations. Um, part of it is was the, absolutely the creation of these pieces. I mean, I think that's that's pretty apparent in uh, in in the sound and in, in the madness of, of what I made, of what I did there. Um, but I I mean I also I also kind of want to um, touch on like the wording here. I'm, you know, I go back and read it, and at the time, you know, I stand by it, and I still stand by it, but I don't want, like, I don't want any negative connotations there, um, you know, because it is so subjective. I don't want it to be, um, like I say in the press release, um, I think people misuse the term lie in the sand in, in that it's like an us versus them, and it's it's definitely not an us versus them. It's... it's um, it's marking our progress. We draw this line, and here's where we came from, and we're pushing ourselves past this point. Um, and so, in a way, what's meant by that, I think what I'm trying to say is, like, it's, it's meant to be inspirational. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that ties into all the, the challenges and, you know, marking our progress, and let's do this, and let's bring these other people in, and let's just have a lot of fun with this and make this, you know insane point in time right and i guess when i I read that too i mean i certainly didn't get the impression that it was like 
you know, kind of laying it out there for all. I kind of thought that that was kind of self-imposed. Like you're like, yes, this is for us. This is what we've yeah, created. Yeah, like good, these good. are the lines. This is sort of how we want to proceed as our small community, our small little group. That's how I interpreted that, and that's kind of what you're alluding to there. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, just just don't want it to come off the wrong. Way. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't take it as that by any means. Good, right. good, cool. Oh well, then I'm. Cu- I guess that kind of gets into then. I'm. I'm curious then. You know what is or what was uh, the working process like uh, for this line drawings album itself? I mean, was was there a lot of? Because I mean, you, you talk about this idea or this notion of community, but yet you guys live in all over the place across the states. So I mean, was there a certain level of interaction, feedback, dialogue? Uh, throughout the process of the recording, and uh, and then did you guys actually contribute to one another's tracks in any way? See, we could fill a, a, a novel with the the amount of email feedback I think that was sent in between the group. Uh, there were times where I think each of us had to like step out, where we're like, "Oh my gosh, it's like so much content going on right now," um, but we didn't contribute directly to each other's tracks. Um, and really, we actually withheld uh, opinion on those tracks, too. Uh, as far as I remember, I wouldn't say, sorry, Joe, with that track, that's not going to cut it. Or, you know, Cody didn't say, Nate, sorry, man, with that track. <laughs> you know, we didn't we didn't do that. Um, but we definitely would remark on the direction of things, like, wow, look at what Cody just, just submitted. We have, like, a network drive where we store all these things. Look what Cody just submitted. That, man, that's totally, you know, picking up what the other guys were putting down, and now look at the direction it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joe would enter into his his mode, which was always exciting, and he would come out, you know, totally out of left field and blow the whole direction the other way again. And that was, yeah, it was pretty, I mean, to me, the process was pretty, pretty exciting. So it was a lot of kind of back and forth, uh, you know, like give and take, call and response, sort of, if you will, uh, with musical yeah, yeah. ideas in that regard. Yeah, yeah for many months there. Um, it'd be like, you know, every couple of days or every week or so, you have a new, you know, McLaughlin or Yantis or Mason track in your inbox, which is <laughs> is pretty exciting. And then even more so is that you're, you know, you're called to rise to that challenge and, and respond to it and, you know, set that bar even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are kind of individual questions for you, but for Joe, yeah, I mean, I was kind of struck by how different um, your material sounded compared to a lot of your previous work uh, under the name prayer. Yeah, a little different. I mean, much more raw, uh, much more dissonant. Uh, Just the instrumentation is quite different. So, I mean, for you, in some ways, was this a way of breaking free from prayer or is prayer sort of what you more conceptualized i mean what was different for you as you're heading into this project uh yeah like um so prayer is is 100 percent conceptualized you know uh, that was all upfront work and when i sit down and do it it's i mean it's just fun there's really no thinking it's i write the, the kind of initial conditions then then apply the process to it um but this stuff on the other hand i mean this was like um, you know, part of it was just driving myself to the edge of madness and, you know, going into the studio day after day and just, you know, 
trudging through stuff and taking tons of hours of recording and whittling down and finding something and then running with a thread like that. Um, I mean, Nate, Nate can attest, the other guys can, can back him up, that I, if it wasn't for me, this project probably would have been done what, 18 months ago? Something like that. It was a... <laughs> Years ago. A very, we started this in 1987. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there... You can tell with the, I mean, there, there, I was, like I said, I was incredibly like taken aback almost by how I would say there is a certain level of madness in that. I mean, how abrasive it is, which is, you know, maybe quite out of character for people who were familiar yeah. with your work before. Well, that's yeah, they don't know Joe, they just know his work. Yeah. You know, because to me, when I started hearing that music and I've been listening to Joe's various music for like 10 years more than that, geez, how long, 15 years almost, that, like, to me, when I heard Joe's tracks, I was like, that's Joe Hooper's music right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just like, let... When I heard it, to me, it was, like, so much Joe. Right. Uh, yeah. Tapping into something there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, trying to, to realize what, uh, what I'm fully capable of. I mean, given this platform, I... Uh, you know, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's like, it's not competitive because you're all rooting for one one another, but at the same time, you're constantly trying to up your game, I'm imagining. Yeah, more more like, I don't want to let these guys down, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah, that equals madness. <laughs> for me. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Well, Nate, I, I was kind of thinking too. I mean, a lot of the tracks that you contributed, I also thought kind of had this difference. I mean, dissonance. Not that you haven't explored that in previous releases and whatnot, but some of these really like jarring transitions and stuff. And I think part of it to me was just maybe like the time frame in which you were working from, because a lot of your work, you know, really draws on these sort of expansive pieces. Not all, but a good chunk of it. In some ways, does that, I mean, kind of shape the direction when you're thinking about, you know, how you're going to compose a piece of music with, like, duration obviously impacts things greatly, of course. Yeah, you know, for me, it was, the stuff that you're hearing is is a lot more edited than previous things, you know? If you listen to, like, echolocation or whatever, that's not edited at all. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and this stuff is, is highly edited. It's almost collage style. Um, so I would have a handful of ideas and then I would lay them all down and it wouldn't matter whether that idea was 30 seconds or eight minutes. And then I would go and, and find the pieces that all work together. And that's how I was making a a full track. So the process was totally different, uh, in terms of the, you know, the sounds being more dissonant, more jarring, you know, frankly, it was just a super difficult time in my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was the music I felt compelled to make, you know, if things were going super well for me, I probably would have made like the most beautiful ambient record or something. (laughs) But, um, yeah, things were pretty crazy in my, you know, uh, and my home life and stuff. So it was, uh, so it's really the subtitle. So what I'm hearing thus far is that the subtitle of line drawings is really, uh, drawing one to madness <laughs> is that is that, is that an accurate? You know, if anything if anything was pulled me out of madness okay. it, yeah it was, it was a real outlet 
Um, and I also felt, to me, like, really free to make whatever music I wanted to make, right? Like, I didn't have, like, a whole album or a whole guiding idea. You know, like, you look at Karen studies, and it has these ideas, or echolocation has these ideas. This could be the music I wanted to make in the moment, and I need to make X number of those pieces of whatever the music is that I feel, you know, to make. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty liberating.
You guys have like all worked together, I guess in some capacity before this whole line drawings project took shape. Uh, I guess mainly, you know, like Josh, your your Sunshine Limited label was kind of a hub for a lot of these other guys in terms of their music and uh, an outlet for them. Um, and you had actually contributed contributed some music to Cody's Starvation Winter release. So, I guess I'm curious, Josh, for you. What appealed to you, I guess, about jumping in and taking a part or taking part in this project? And I guess, 
what do you think kind of distinguishes it from being more than just like a typical split release, which you see of all the time in like the cassette underground? Well, I mean, as you said, I had worked with everybody in some capacity. Uh, so I guess I knew what I was getting into. I mean, I knew that these guys were all, you know, deep thinkers and, and they didn't, they didn't take what they do lightly. You know, it was, there was never any question in my mind that this thing was going to be great. Um, I think, you know, part of it actually has to do a little bit to do with the fact that, uh, I'd released everything with these guys. And so there, there was a part of me that was excited to kind of take, take it outside of the, the sunshine realm just because, you know, we, we weren't really sure where it was going to end up, but we all knew that it definitely was going to have legs, or at least I did right from the beginning. So as far as, as far as distinguishing it from a split, I guess when I, when I, when I think of splits, I think about uh, bands that are on tour together, you know, or artists that are in the same area and they kind of have like that connection and, and, uh, but, but usually the music is kind of independent of the other side that it shares. Um, the music doesn't really reflect any sort of um, change or, or collaboration. It's usually just, you know, side A is this band and side B is that band. But in this case, you know, we all kind of worked really closely with each other. Even though we didn't play on each other's recordings, um, the collaborative effort and the, the back and forth dialogue is what really set it apart. You know, we, we, you know, one guy would have something posted for us, for the rest of us to listen to. And then there was a lot of back and forth. I mean, this went on for what was like two years almost, I think. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of time for us to kind of go back and forth and, and, you know, critique and, uh, you know, and kind of build it, build the other person up in the sense that, you know, maybe this could be done or, or this is good, you shouldn't do anything else to it, whatever. So it was kind of like one guy was recording while three other guys were sort of in the control room, so to speak, sort of at the board, you know, right, stroking right. their beard or twisting their mustaches or whatever and, and thinking of, you know, what kind of critique or criticism can I offer to help further this person's art? Basically, mm-hmm. being that, so I'm, I'm assuming much of this takes place online. Of course, you're not. Uh, does that? Do you feel like that can be really challenging too? I mean, like challenging one another, and uh, d- but did you develop a certain level of trust with that? Like being that you've worked together for so long. I, I did. I mean, I think that it could be challenging in some ways, in, in the sense that. People sometimes had things to say and sometimes they didn't, but a lot of the dialogue also was unspoken for me. I mean, I, I remember specifically a couple instances where some of the work that I had done, that I had uploaded for them to hear, I'd finished it, and then somebody would come along later with a new track, and then I'd think, oh, crap. You know, like I would go back and rethink my piece again. You know, So there was this constant dialogue even though maybe words weren't exchanged um but through the music there was kind of a not trying to one-up anybody but just sort of like oh well they presented a different idea or a different 
different take on 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 a kind of a sound that maybe I hadn't thought about before, and so there was always this uh, this unspoken dialogue that I think was was really interesting mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Well, Cody, you I mean you have worked with Nate and Joe. How does this uh, how does this compare to how you guys have worked previously? And I guess how did you kind of jump into the folder approach things maybe differently? Uh, kind of in again in comparison to your work with Tilth. Sure, sure. I mean, I guess um, I mean Tilth sort of you know starting with um, Nathan and I working together, um, you know, was about sort of a dialogue and a kind of back and forth. And this project certainly had that, but it became. Um, you know, in a good way, much more kind of varied and complex because you had not only additional voices but a larger scope. Um, so I guess in that sense, it was sort of a, you know, di- a, a dialogue but from a different angle um, also because we weren't actually, you know, the, the end result wasn't, you know, a set of pieces where we're all, where we all play on it, but it was our own individual pieces. But kind of going back to your question about how is this different than a split, this was, you know, much more uh, cohesive of a project in terms of like, um, you know, some like what Josh was saying, feeding off of each other, um, even if it wasn't always um, just, you know, ideas that were spoken um, or written. So in that sense, I mean, I guess, the, you know, going off of another thing that Josh said, the kind of challenging each other aspects, not in some kind of competitive way, but just like, you know, respecting each other's um, insight and abilities and, and saying, you know, hey, we can do something really, really wonderful. We really push ourselves. I mean, that's definitely something that um, Nathan and I did, you know, in Tilt. And so, and I know that Nathan has spoken to me about how he and Joe would do that in Loud and Sad. And so I think there's something in our personalities where we're really, we're really driven. Um, and so bringing the four of us together allowed for, you know, not only like a, a really um, receptive and like supportive community, but also like one that really like we, we pushed each other. Um, and, and, um, and so I th- yeah. And I think, I think, so, you know, so I guess another, another take on, on the kind of dialogue, um, but one that was much more, I don't know, much more complex and nuanced if for no other reason than just there were, there were more, more people involved, um, not just the four of us, but ultimately down the line, those that we collaborated with on the seven inches and also, you know, working with Michael at Desire Path and Chris doing all the artwork and stuff. So it was really cool to have this um, really vibrant community where there's this, you know, constant dialogue going on that was um, opening the project up to all sorts of new, you know, terrain and and ideas and, and things like that. Getting back to, like, how long you guys worked on that project, you said it was almost, like, two years. When do you guys just step back and say it's done. You know, I, we, the, at this point we're done. And I also want to maybe back up and ask, you know, what was, what was different, like the sketches cassette tape versus, uh, the full length record. I mean, were these sort of just some of the pieces that were the kind of the back and forth that built up to that culminated in the album? The, the sketches actually started out as being the project. I mean, that's kind of where, in the beginning, there wasn't really the the tape LP seven inch series like that. Really, wasn't in the foreground. I think at the outset, it was just we need to make these works together, and we need to make this something that is intentional and deliberate. and And that was sort of where it ended. But but it, but it, 
eventually we realized that there's way more here than just these pieces that we were doing. And it wasn't really until we kind of got started talking with Michael and and the four of us stepped back and we realized, like, we can really go insane with this and uh, and make something, like Cody said, just really amazing. Um, so... It, uh, I forgot the rest of the question. Sorry. No, <laughs> the other part I, of the question? I was just kind of wondering, like, at, w- at what point do you guys say after just pouring over so much of that material for so long, do you just finally say we're done? I mean, how, <laughs> what was that like? I mean, at what yeah. point do you say, who guys, we need to call this. We need to be done by December 1st. I mean, what, is there, was <laughs> yeah. there like a self-imposed deadline where you said, I mean, how does that end? Because I think given like you're saying how you, you're constantly feeding off one another and really driving yourself to that degree, I could see how you could never want to call it quits. You just want to keep engaging in that process. Well, there is an idea, like, there, there, there is an idea, and, um, you know, that we had at some point when, when this was starting to take shape where it was going to be more than just, say, a record or something, when we realized it was going to have multiple components and, and we were already deciding to open it up to, like, you know, the seven-inch collaborations and things like that. And then we, we realized that this was a, a kind of blueprint for something that maybe would continue, like it would be this continuous series. Um, and we haven't, we've kind of taken a break from that idea just to get everything out there, the logistics of all the, of all the release, you know, getting the release done now that we're at that point. But there was a, there was a conversation at some point, and I'm sure this will pick up um, once kind of the dust settles um, from the release about that maybe maybe the collaborative elements, the reaching out, you know, the kind of what we were doing in the seven inches, even if not in that format would have sort of a continuous thing where, um, you know, whether it was like a, a curation on our part or whether we were always involved or whether it would be like now they go out and collaborate with others or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a project that definitely snowballed in a, in, in, in a really wonderful way. Um, as far as, as far as figuring out when it was done, I think that was one of the more interesting aspects of the group dynamic is is that you had you know once it was opened up to like you know six core people really when you bring in chris doing the artwork and then michael um at desire pass and we're all having these these discussions um once it opened up to that like there was you know you had so many different personalities and there weren't um it it, it worked surprisingly well there weren't there weren't any kind of overt conflicts or anything but you could definitely tell like that we all work differently. And so I think we all kind of on our own decided when we were done with our, our specific pieces mm-hmm. and our, our, you know, and our, and, you know, when we felt like we had kind of, I know it, I, like kind of earlier on, I had kind of finished some of my stuff and I said, all right, I'm going to let this, I'm going to, I'm going to say this is done. And um, as tempting as it was later on, maybe to go back and try something new, I'd kind of made that decision for myself whereas others worked right up until a sort of deadline that we ultimately gave ourselves once we were kind of beholden to a record label. Mm-hmm. Um, that certainly helps, you know, <laughs> like tie things up or force you to kind of wrap things up. Um, sure. But mostly it was kind of um, when we each felt that our contributions um, were, were you know, whole in a way that, uh, that we could kind of step back and, and, and let, it, let it go out into the world. Mm-hmm. That and my inbox stopped working. At some point, um, <laughs> it was full, too full. I think around, I think somewhere around like the six hundredth email or something like that. I just was like, I, I, I wasn't even sure if it was done or if it was over. We were still doing it. I was just so lost with all of the. I mean, you should you should see the the threads 
and threads and threads of conversation that we had. I mean, it, it could fill a volume for sure. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you guys uh, in this, in the kind of the promo materials or the blurbs uh, about the record, this idea of like attempting to create a community of musicians that challenge each other to make deliberate music. And I was curious, I asked both Nathan and, and Joe this very same question is, you know, what, what is deliberate music um, to you guys? How do you define that? What do you think of when you, when you, when you uh, try to articulate that? I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the first stab at it. I mean, this was a point early, pretty early on. We kind of um, had written our sort of, um, <laughs> Uh, we were joking initially it was sort of a manifesto and the project initially was called a line in the sand and um and it was supposed to be really you know very direct and um and you know for me that that worked great i'm a pretty i'm a pretty direct person um in in sort of my my dealings and life in general um but we 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 definitely had a debate early on about whether or not it was too confrontational (laughs) when we were writing you Mm -hmm. know calling it a line in the sand and kind of separating ourselves from, from the, you know, um, I think we ended up using the term kind of aimless music. And this was, you know, in part directed at a larger, a larger phenomenon we saw kind of in the experimental scene, um, but also something that, you know, I think any of us that work in that scene are tempted to do where there's this idea, you know, it seemed like at least for a while people were releasing like 10 albums a year. And, you know, it's so easy with technology now to like, um, you know, record something and then just immediately put it out there. And so we, our whole idea was that maybe, you know, kind of in the, in the kind of the spirit of, um, to be really simplistic about it, to, in the spirit of quality over quantity kind of thing, to, to, um, make music that was really, um, you know, community oriented, collaborative, and just really purposeful, and, and something that was, you know, even if it took a really long time or, or took an enormous investment, which it ended up doing both, that that would ultimately be much more meaningful than, say, you know, the 10 projects we could have, um, churned out in the time we did kind of one. Um, right, sure, yeah. That's a pretty good summary, actually. I mean, I think that the the purposeful part of it for me, the the intent was was heavily rooted in, in concepts. I mean, you know, we, you asked me earlier about working with these guys with my own label, and and that's something that was a direct catalyst for me. To, to be involved was just knowing that these guys were going to put a lot of thought into it. You know, when I, when I did, uh, Nate's echolocation tape, and I, I remember reading the, the, uh, the copy that he wrote for the, for the insert. And I just thought like, even though this is an abstract idea, like you can tell that this guy has like really sat down and thought through his, the conceptual part of his, his pieces and, and also just the artistic value inherent in them. And that was something that I knew all these guys would do and they would bring all that to the table. And so for me, that, that sort of had to be there. It couldn't just be, as Cody said, aimless. It's not just, you know, open up a laptop and just hit drone and just sit there for a while. Uh, which, which, can, which can be done and it can be done well I'm not saying that I don't personally enjoy a lot of that kind of music because I do I absolutely do but in our instance with this project it just felt like it had to go way deeper than that
done quite a bit of uh, artwork and graphic design work for Desire Path Recordings in the past. Uh, so I'm yeah. kind of curious how this particular project unfolded for you, given sort of the various players involved. And I guess, how did you guys all decide on, I guess, this portrait approach for this particular project? Well, I mean, it, I, it's funny, before you call, I was just sort of glancing through, like, our, you know, just the first couple of email threads we had going on between me and, and Michael at Desire Path and, you know, the four main guys. And, you know, it's it's always fun, that, you know, when you get through a project to look back at the very beginning and just see, like, oh, this is what we were thinking and we had no idea where it would end up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Uh, I mean, well, I mean, for starters, when, when Michael first got um, contacted by Joe, I think, with the just the overall description of the whole project and, you know, what they had in mind and everything, like, Michael was, like, pumped. And he sent me the email, and he's like, dude, I, he's like, I don't even know what this is, but we have to do it. So I was like, yes. Because I, I was especially familiar with Josh Mason's work, um, and so, I, you know, just from the outside, we were just really excited about whatever whatever the music would be and whatever the whole project would become. We knew it was going to be gold, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, once we got, once we really got a conversation, conversation started about the art, it was, you know, I, I would listen to, I think I, I may have only had the LP tracks at the time to listen to. And I was loving it, you know, and I whacked eloquent to all the guys about how much I loved it and everything. And I think it, it, what's interesting about the music is I, I find a lot of parallels in the sound and the, their approach of experimentation and being deliberate and embracing, you know, accidents and imperfections and the element of surprise within, within the process of creating their sounds, and, and for me, I find a lot of parallels in the way I like to approach art making and picture making, especially like in printmaking, where you can you can have a you know a basic idea of an image, but you can um, you can through trial and error and experimenting, you can create all these different variations of, of one image. Um, you can do it in different ways. You ink the plate, or you know wipe it, or scrub it, or kick it around the ground and get it scratched up. And so just, I mean, aesthetically, I felt like really excited about the, you know, what I felt like were, were parallels between, you know, the way the music felt and the, the way I like to approach um, making images. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, I think, I think it just, it, I mean, we were thinking about, you know, subject matter, like lines, you know, thinking about the idea of line drawings, and, like, I guess I didn't like the idea of just, you know, some weird abstract image of a line in the sand, because to me there would be almost nothing there to look at. Um, And I thought, you know, maybe it's not about depicting some line, but it was about depicting the fact that these are specific people with their own backgrounds and their own ideas and their own intentions and, you know, hopes and fears and deliberateness of the music that they're making. Um, that was a key word that they, that they had in their you know, mission statement, I guess you'd call it. Mm-hmm. They did deliberate music. And so I thought, man, like, 
I just feel like with all the people that are involved, you've got the four main guys, and then you've got the fact that they're inviting, you know, four to six other musicians to, you know, become a part of this and contribute to something. And I just thought, man, like, why don't we do portraits of everybody? I mean, it, it just makes sense. Like, let this let this highlight the fact that these are specific people with, you know, their own, their own specific intentions behind everything. And um, so I think once, once that kind of dawned on me, I... You know, I threw it out there to everyone, and you know, they all had you know a couple of laughs because some of the guys were like, "Oh no, like I don't want my face all over this thing." You know, <laughs> like you know, experimental music. I mean, for the most part, you don't see you know straight up portraits of the musicians on on their album covers. You know, it's always like something abstract or some movie landscape that's all blurry or whatever. You know, it's like you never usually you don't you don't see much. Uh, you know, self-portrait kind of thing. Right, right. Um, so I think, like, just that, just knowing that that approach would be unique and fresh, um, at least for the, you know, the scene, if you want to call it that, like, you know, the genre of, of people doing experimental or ambient stuff, just knowing that it was going to be fresh uh, visually was, you know, I think exciting for everybody. And, and I mean, yeah, everybody, you know, eventually got behind the idea. Um, and so... Yeah, just just there. Um, you answered my my next question almost entirely, okay. <laughs> cool. but I feel like I'm going to ask it anyway, just okay. in a slightly different fashion, um, because sure. you know, in your visual work, uh, you know, not just the stuff that you've done for Desire Path, but just your whole body of work, you really have explored kind of various aspects of like the natural world um, and the right. spirit in the spiritual world, which I kind of feel right. like is something that each of these core artists involved in this project are doing in their own unique way. So I was kind of wondering, do you, did you feel a certain affinity for these artists and what they were trying to achieve through sound? And again, I realize you kind of answered that question already, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's sort of a tough, question answer because on one hand when I first started I wasn't I wasn't super familiar with everybody involved and you know everything that, that they had done um I you know I, I heard I mean for example you know I knew it's like the loud and sad unknown species LP that Nathan and Joe did and I loved it you know and, and I knew bits and pieces of, of the other guys work um but yeah, I mean, I, I think what, what was cool for me, you know, as the project got going and we were throwing ideas back and forth and sketches and, you know, I'd maybe email one guy individually and, you know, share something and, you know, he would write back and we would, you know, I'd, I'd have an email thread of, you know, in-depth conversations about life and, and faith and hope and death and music and art and family, you know, with Nathan and then, like, I'd, you know, get into a different conversation with Josh and, and Joe, and so I think that was, for me, that was really cool to sort of, you know, be, you know get to know these guys better um, and become friends, you know, through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe, maybe I'm reading into it or maybe I'm projecting my own, you know, my own ideas, you know, the way I do art and the way I, you know, have my own intentions and, you know, maybe spiritual backdrops and things to, you know, some of the work I do, but, you know, I, I think I could say that I could sense that in, in, in what these guys were, 
were doing with their music. You know, just just knowing that that key element of of being deliberate about what they were doing, um, not just you know just for the sake of adding to the noise, you know, making sounds and putting them out there. Like I get sense that there was there was something more purposeful and personal, you know, behind what they were doing. Um, yeah, and, and I could and I could say the same, you know, even from a musical standpoint. Like I'm not, I don't consider myself a musician, but I've done some music here and there. And for me, it's always been kind of a, almost like a, I guess a, a way of, of, you know, resisting, um, you know, destructive impulses and resisting bad habits and replacing it with something that's constructive and positive. Mm-hmm. And that creates something, you know, good to share. Um, so for me, uh, yeah, I'd say I, I definitely felt, um, that, you know, similar kind of, uh, intention for sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned like you, you did also contribute, uh, to the studies seven inch set, uh, a, yeah, a track, yeah. a musical track, a banjo piece that you had, this kind of a yeah. layered banjo thing. Um, and you share a, a record or a seven inch with Brad Rose. Yeah. Is music something you said you don't do a lot of, but is it something that you've developed more of an interest in over the years? It's something that you plan to maybe pursue more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to say, you know, a wholehearted yes you know, to that question. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm at a point in, in life where, you know, I'm, I'm a self-employed, you know, husband and dad of, of two youngins. And, you know, for me, it's, priority for the past couple of years has been, you know, do what I got to do to pay the bills and, you know, get food on the table and, you know, all that. But um, as, you know, in some projects and, you know, just, you know, as, as I get better at, at, you know, I guess treating what I do as, as a business, um, you know, as, as lame as that may sound when you're talking about doing art and illustration for a living, you know, you got to do it. But, you know, as, that's improved I've you know I think that I think I've realized more and more that you know what's what's that quote um I forget who said it some guy shared it with me I went to this big years festival in Knoxville and this guy sat next to me he was like 40 something and he like he, he pulled up this quote on his phone and he said uh he said, Look at and it was um like the greatest impact on the on the life of a child is the unlived life of the parent and I looked at that and I was like, yeah, <laughs> we, were talk- we were talking about, you know, having kids and not being able to, you know, do the things you want to do because of responsibilities and energy and, you know, lack of sleep and all this stuff, you know. So I think that, you know, it really hits home. Um, and and I think for me that, you know, the unlived life would be not doing not, 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 you know, being deliberate about focusing energy on, on doing personal artwork and personal music. I'm not doing that and I get to the end of my life and I look back and I say, I just, like, all I did is I scraped by and I was probably, like, grumpy the whole time because I didn't make the best of, you know, each moment and, you know, the nights when I could have, I could have done something creative, but I didn't. I just, you know, sat on my ass and watched Netflix. Like, if I do that for, like, 30 years, then what am I going to have to show for it, you know? So I think, I think you know, the uh, pursuing, 
creative, constructive endeavors, you know, as, as hard as it is, it's, it's, you've got to push past that resistance. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to say, I'd, you know, we keep doing that, you know, easier said than done, but, um, that's, that's, uh, that's the plan. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. Is this the first thing that you've like officially released to the public, uh, music wise? Yeah. Um, physically. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I, I had one one or two tracks in the past, like couple future sequence um, compilations, like you know number four, number six, or something. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but uh, that was just a uh, you know digital release, um, and that was that was kind of again like under the radar. Just <laughs> right, right. <laughs> kind of you know I've, you know submitted a track and hope that it got in, and you know a couple of them got in, so that was nice. But yeah, this is the first physical release, and I'm you know. I, I was blown away when Joe invited me into the fold and said, "Hey, you want to be a part of this?" I just, I couldn't believe it. I was, yeah. I was freaking out. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to kind of going back to your artwork. I mean, has has music always been? I mean, you you've done a lot of things not only for Desire Path Records, but for some other record labels and artists as well. Has yeah. music always sort of been? Uh, I mean, central to your artwork, something that's uh, maybe just to put it more direct, is it something that, you know, while you're working, you have to be listening and sort of it, it inspires you to work and create? Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it, I pretty much can't. I, I mean, I can literally say if I have headphones on and I have the music going and I cannot hear the sound of like the charcoal stick on the paper. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good thing. Like if I can actually hear the the stick on the paper, I can I could get distracted by the sound of the thing <laughs> like happening. So <laughs> if if I can just put on the music and turn it up and don't let that sort of you know I guess like you know buoy me along like you know keep me afloat, um, propel me along. That's you know that that's ideal. Um, you know a lot of times I listen to Steve Reich. You know that repetitive. Oh yeah. Um, you know, minimalistic, especially with music for 18 musicians. That's kind of like, you know, when when I when I crank that up in the studio, or I, I've got it on my headphones, and like Annie walks in the room, she can tell like, oh, he's in like, he's in the zone. He has music <laughs> for 18 musicians. <laughs> like, don't don't talk to him. So yeah, absolutely, music is a huge, um, definitely fuel for the fire.
I would like to say, I mean, huge thanks to Michael Vetrano for putting up with us and agreeing to do this with us. Um, huge thanks to Chris Cole for uh, contributing this insane artwork and holding my hand through all this Photoshop madness. <laughs> uh, Eric Steiger, this project would seriously not be um, feasible without him. He did all the mastering, and he did an incredible job on it um, for free. Uh, I mean, that's, that's thousands of dollars of work, uh, and I owe him my life for this project. Uh, and Brad Rose for being the, uh, I mean, the start of all this. 
we um I think it was I think it was that the, the time we did an in studio appearance with you, David. Mm-hmm. Um and then we went down to Tulsa and Brad had these double cassette tape uh cases lying around. He's like, Oh, you guys should uh you should do a double cassette. And from that <laughs> we we ran with it and that's where that's where uh this whole thing grew out of. That's going to do it for this week's show. I just want to thank everyone uh, for taking the time to chat with me and uh, I guess being so open about the, the whole process and, and creating this real massive project. Can't recommend this one enough to everyone out there. Um, you can actually order the Alice Sketches tape right now through the Digitalis website. And then all the other 12-inch, 7-inch, and various artwork bundle options are available through both Desire Path Recordings website and the uh, FET Press, or F-E-T Press websites right now, which if you go to our website and follow links, it'll bring you right there. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We have a few more features uh, lined up. But if you have any questions for me, feel free to get in touch at fffreakout at hotmail.com. But as always, thanks so much for listening.